While writing this book, I was invited to give a keynote lecture at the first Integrative and Personalized Medicine Conference in London. It was a huge honor to be asked to speak at an international conference, and I was delighted that the event's leadership was interested in my work. I humbly accepted, feeling confident about presenting to a group of like-minded clinicians. It can certainly be nerve-wracking to speak in front of a group of doctors, especially in person after a few years of acclimating to video chat. But I have enough experience in similar situations that I trusted my ability to stay calm and professional. What followed nearly caused me to faint. I received an email informing me that my work had gained the attention of the royal family. Along with three other American doctors, I was invited to meet His Royal Highness, the Prince of Wales, who has since become the King of England, to discuss our work. It had to be a mistake. I was going to meet Prince Charles? How on earth could this even happen? The anxiety I'd brushed off from the original invitation flooded over me like a gushing fire hydrant. My palms were sweating, my thoughts raced, and my heart pounded in my chest. The imposter syndrome I've spent years fighting reared its head. Surely the Prince of Wales would see through me. It would be the end of my career. My anxious brain distorted what should have been such a positive moment into something completely different. Thankfully, I was able to wrest control of my feelings. I couldn't let anxiety create failure. I focused myself on the moment and did some exercises from pranayam or breathwork yoga. It took me time to settle down and be able to fully accept the situation, but by the time I typed out a measured and courteous yes to the invitation, I felt calm, making space for excitement and joy. Once I was in London, as my meeting with the prince approached, I had to actively work on separating my excitement from my fear and anxiety. The morning of the event, I woke up early, meditated, and made sure to drink cool water, which helps relieve any overnight dehydration. And the coolness always feels calming for my brain and body. I ate a breakfast full of calming foods, like tofu scramble seasoned with turmeric and black pepper with mushrooms and spinach on the side. I managed to stay calm and focused when my roller hairbrush shorted out, even though the prospect of a bad hair day has always been a mood ruiner for me. As I planned out my dress and practiced my curtsy, I did more breath work and used mindfulness to keep my thoughts from spiraling. Even though I went to the meeting with some butterflies in my stomach, the worst of my anxiety had subsided, and I could walk in with confidence. You can probably guess how the meeting went. Prince Charles was lovely, as were the other doctors present, and we had a lively discussion about the kind of whole-body approach to mental health that we will learn about in this book. It was not the end of my career, but the amazing start to an exciting role as the U.S. Ambassador for the U.K. College of Medicine, leading the Food for Mood campaign. On the plane home from the United Kingdom, I reflected on how anxiety had nearly derailed such a game-changing moment in my life. It can be easy to minimize anxious feelings, telling yourself to toughen up or get over it. 
Nevertheless, anxiety is real and damaging. I was thankful that I had been able to calm my anxiety through a combination of practice, an understanding of how the brain works, and a diet that creates a strong foundation for mental health. It made me think of my patients who've had similar struggles, whether with specific challenges in their lives and careers, or with the kind of pervasive anxiety that seizes on the smallest details to throw their worlds into chaos. The whole experience was a powerful reminder of how grateful I am to have the opportunity to help others improve their mental health and understand and overcome their anxiety through the powerful medicine of food.